670 KBOI on Alexa. First say, Alexa, enable the 670 KBOI skill. Then when you want to listen, say, Alexa, open 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Well, good morning and welcome to a Monday. 21 degrees in downtown Boise. Welcome back, Chris. Thank you very much. Just loving this, uh, you know, 21 degree weather. <laughs> well, uh, I'm glad you love it because it's going to stick around for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, this is kind of warm for later in the week. Teens could see some teens later this week. I don't get along with teens. Which I guess uh, the good news is for all the snow that we've got in the uh, last week or so could be sticking around for a, a little while. Uh, underway for a Monday. Our phone lines are open at 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. It is Bronco Monday, so we'll be talking about the uh, latest Bronco State unfortunate loss at New Mexico. However... We're just changing it to Bronco State now? Is that the deal? Uh, yeah, kind of. Okay. Um, I'm not too upset not uh, or frustrated over that loss. Boise State played... Losing by two at the pit? Really... Kind really, a, really well. You consider that a moral victory? Not just a moral victory, a victory period. The net rankings, Boise State went into the net rankings, uh, national national net rankings at 20. Mm-hmm. They lost the game at the pit, and they fell all the way down to 20. Hmm. So That's unusual. Yeah, it, it's, it's considered a quad one loss at the uh, opponent's home. It was a close loss, went into overtime. I really thought it was going to go into double overtime. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> um, too bad. Yeah, yeah. The the, the def- defense saw kind of a lapse there. We'll be talking about that. We'll also talk a little bit this morning. Um, some news that came out after the game uh, about um, kind of a dangerous situation. You don't see Leon Rice get really, really upset very often, and he was mad. At halftime, coming out of halftime uh, on Friday night's game, and then after the game, explained the dangerous situation of having the New Mexico baseball team apparently in front of the uh, locker room doors as Boise State came back out after halftime and jawing and pushing back and forth. And he, he said, you know, luckily his, his team, cool heads prevailed, and it, it didn't get into a brouhaha but he said it really had the possibility of getting that way and doesn't there, understand why there was no security there, why there, the baseball there, team was yeah. outside their locker room. The baseball team, I guess, has nothing else to do in January. I guess not. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, you know, like I said, you don't see Leon Rice get upset very often. He's pretty even, even kill. Uh, he, he was upset. So we'll talk about that. That'll be coming up on uh, Bronco Monday. Um, coming up here, we'll get more in-depth on that. Boise State no longer in first place, now tied for second place. San Diego State now moves back into first place. Uh, didn't last very long. Lasted one game. <laughs> um, another tough game for New Mexico tonight. They take on uh, Nevada in Nevada. So, uh, man, New Mexico looks really good at home. <laughs> yeah, I know, well, I know home, in a way, is, is a little different for them because the pit's one of the hardest places to play um jamal mashburn's son jamal mashburn jr just looks amazing and i don't know if you had a chance to see the game friday i know you were i did not a little under the weather mm-hmm. but yeah he anything inside i would of, imagine though that jamal mashburn's kid would be pretty good anything inside of about 15 feet if you don't guard him he's dropping it i mean and so smooth and not just kind of dropping it, it's swishing 
Mm. every single time. He looked really, really good. So This is not the sort of thing that skips a generation. Apparently not. All right. Apparently not. Uh, other things that we're going to be talking about today. Um, for the fifth time, they found more classified documents at Joe Biden's home. Mm-hmm. Um, this time, an FBI search was undertaken on Friday afternoon, and for the fifth time, a fifth trove of classified documents you wanna, were, were found at Biden's home. Do you want to hear a good general statement about this? Yes. I, I get the feeling the government may be classifying too many documents. <laughs> <laughs> might be right might be right um it's also interesting to note as just a couple weeks ago when this story broke now the first group of documents were found november 2nd and a couple of weeks ago uh the biden administration through the biden press secretary um Corinne jean pierre said that the white house was going to be very open and they were going to be transparent about the investigation apparently that stopped uh, they're no longer answering any questions um, having to do with the uh, documents. It, it gets referred now to the uh, White House lawyers, and then the White House lawyers apparently refer people to the Department of Justice, and then the Department of Justice refers people to the White House press secretary. Oh. Well, that wastes a lot of time. So, yeah, it's yeah. just one big circle now. Basically, the president administration is not talking about this. Well, I mean, my assumption is uh, about the first 10 questions that would pop into your head. Their answer is, I don't know. <laughs> well, they're not saying that. Why, why did you have these? I don't know. <laughs> Who put them there? I don't know. I um, you didn't tell us you had them. I don't know. President Biden uh, talking and answering questions on Friday while he was in uh, California looking over the damage um, from the storms that have been coming in there um, made the statement, there is no there there. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, doesn't it? So we'll talk a little bit about that. Also, uh, coming up here this morning, um, news. We talked about this and covered it as a news story uh, in Caldwell about uh, brown pride protest from a school student who had worn a brown pride uh, sweatshirt to school and was asked to remove it, held a protest, and then uh, shortly thereafter, uh, school white pride was uh, printed on the side of the uh, Caldwell school. And uh, they were investigating that as a hate crime. It has now been deemed by the Caldwell Police Department to not be a hate crime. And instead... It doesn't sound like a love crime. Well, they, instead they're saying uh, it's more having to do with uh, gangs and, uh, and gang activity in Caldwell. And the reason... So these are ones that wear white? Um, I don't know if they wear white or if the gang is called White Pride. Um, the reason that the, the girl was not allowed to wear the brown pride sweatshirt in school is because there are there's a couple of different brown pride gangs in the caldwell area really yeah so they said this has to do with being a gang whether whether she did it innocently you know because she wanted wanted to be quote unquote brown pride or not in the caldwell school district and i i can speak to this because we had three kids attend school in the caldwell school district you're not allowed to wear anything that can be even misconstrued with gang colors for instance you're not allowed to wear las vegas raiders baseball hats you're not aware to wear blue or red raiders well, why don't they just get rid of yellow and then raiders, all the primary colors will be gone and- raiders baseball caps are considered 
gang symbols. So, so nothing black or, or silver or red or blue. Well, you can wear black or silver as long as it doesn't have the Raiders on yeah, it. Apparently see. it's the Raiders that are the gang symbols, apparently. so. But I mean, you know, like I said, we had three kids go there. They're not, they weren't allowed to wear red. They weren't allowed to wear, wear blue. So I don't know if that's changed since they were there. I'm guessing not, considering, you know, even the brown pride sweatshirt was not allowed to be well, worn. It's, it's, you know, probably no great hardship. I mean, how many blue and red shirts could there be out there? Not uh, Hardly any. Keep in mind... Um, they're such obscure colors. Caldwell... Their school colors are blue and yellow. So if you wear if you wear a, a sweatshirt, it has to be blue and yellow. It can't just be blue. Or I don't. I don't imagine they have a yellow Pride Day because that sounds wrong. Too. Yeah, that sounds wrong too. I haven't even heard of a yellow Pride Day. As a matter of fact, I hadn't heard of Brown Pride till just now. <laughs> KBOI News Time is six fifteen. Those are some of the things we'll be talking about coming up this morning. Also, stick around. Um, we have uh, our Casper and Chris. Damn near impossible question. This week, you're going to get a $50 gift certificate to La Peep in Meridian. Chance for you to pick that up on the way with our Casper and Chris. Damn near impossible question. Right now, though, time for our first check on what's going on in sports. And there's quite a bit of sports that are happening today. It's brought to you by Pork Belly in CUNA. Want a great breakfast? Want a great lunch? The place to go. If you're in the CUNA area, even worth driving, it's Pork Belly in CUNA. Good morning. Looking at basketball from Friday night. If you missed it, New Mexico snapped Boise State's five-game winning streak, 81-79 to in overtime. In a game that featured 11 ties and eight lead changes, the Lobos outlasted the Broncos. Boise State was able to send the game to OT on a last-second three by Tyson Degenhardt in regulation. Coach Rice said the play was near perfect. Najee read it perfectly, you know, because when... You know, when we drew it up, we said they'll probably run two guys to Shaver, but you know, you don't know if they will. And he saw it. You know, he just looked at it, saw it, made a great play. And you know, we had to also get it out of his hands quick. He couldn't stand there and look at it because there, you know, gives him the chance to foul because we were up down three. And throughout the game, the Broncos were cold from three, making just five out of twenty-four. Up next, Fresno State at home tomorrow night. Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. Shooting 5 of 24 and still being within just one basket in overtime on the road at the pit. Pretty good performance by the Broncos. By the way, that was the game on Friday night. Boise State will play tomorrow night at home against Fresno State. There were other games over the weekend. It was Colorado State dropping one to Wyoming on the road, 57-58. to UNLV loses at Fresno State, 63-76. to Utah State, a winner at home over San Jose State, 75-74. And San Diego State went in to beat Air Force on the road, 70-60. to There's also one game on the schedule for tonight. It will be New Mexico at Nevada. I'm Rick Worthington. Ben Shapiro this afternoon at 1. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 
Lawmakers will be tasked with determining how to properly fund education and if public money can or should go to private institutions. The Idaho Press reports that Republican Senator Brian Lenny of Nampa is among a group that will be introducing a new way to accomplish this through an education savings account. Opponents to school choice legislation say that education savings accounts are essentially the same as vouchers because they still result in public funding going toward private school tuition. The state last year enacted the Empowering Parents Program, which allows parents of K-12 through students to apply for grants to pay for education-related costs. The program is prioritized for households earning $60,000 a year or less. Governor Brad Little this year proposed making the program permanent and setting aside $30 million for it. Lenny said the savings account would be open to more families. Had a long conversation uh, on Friday. As a matter of fact, probably uh, most amount of phone calls and emails that we've uh, received on a single subject in a really long while. Uh, and people continue to write even after the show was over on Friday. Some of those uh, in on school choice. Uh, Wayne writes in, education, it would seem to me that to use tax dollars to educate kids outside the state-run schools would be a wide, wise use of taxpayer money. State-run schools are, in most cases, the most expensive way to educate children at home, and the most parochial schools accomplish the task for much less. I think that you can also argue that you are meeting the public education mandate. You're educating the public. I think that you can differentiate that from a requirement for public institutions. There's another person in favor of school choice. Uh, receiving, this is from Heath, says, receiving state money to attend private schools or to homeschool sounds really great. However, we must keep in mind that the government money typically comes from with conditions. This could be in curriculum or testing requirements. If you attend private school or homeschool, would you want to follow state-required curriculum in exchange for the money? I'm guessing most would turn down the money for that reason. That's from Heath. Okay. I would say that, yeah, if you have schooling, you're going to have to have testing state mandated mandated testing to you know pass unless unless there are there still hippie schools or did they did those go away at some point i couldn't tell you i didn't as far as i know there aren't you know with or no, maybe they with, go into another name now no grades didn't start at a particular time you don't even have to go if you don't want uh john writes or kent writes in rather sorry um regarding school vouchers to me the opposition towards the vouchers tells me everything i see it as a competition and that is a good thing. But the opposition folks on Easy Street in the public system don't like the thought of someone having a better edu- or better solution. So, yes, I'm emphatically supporting a school voucher or parents' right to choose. I also commend Idaho Education System for uh, doing this as well um, as they do with minimal funding. All right. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. If you want to uh, weigh in, um, you can continue to do this because this is going to be something that is going to be talked in the uh, Idaho legislature, talked about in the Idaho legislature a lot this year. Also going to get to a um, survey that was uh, put out recently asking what people, their interests are this year when it comes to the Idaho legislature. And education was number one. Even beating out taxes, getting rid of the sales tax, even beating out property tax, education was the number one thing that Idahoans want to see addressed in the Idaho legislature this year. Okay. What do you want to see addressed? If you want to weigh in on that, feel free. Phone lines are open. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Chris is back today, so that means you can email him again. I have a funny feeling you may have got a bunch of emails on 
Friday possibly? No, no, no? not really. We, yeah. we we told we tried to tell everybody don't email Chris because we know he's not feeling I, well, I, so we don't was, want him to have to forward these emails. There to there, us. there was one guy who uh, wanted clarification on something, and I just wrote him back and said I wasn't there. I don't know. So. <laughs> Uh, anyway, email Chris at KBOI.com if you want, Mike at KBOI.com, and you can text us, same as our main number, 208-336-3700. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. 6.33, good morning, 19 degrees now, dropped a few degrees since we started the show. Going to continue with the cold weather also this week. Good news is, don't see uh, too much snow in the forecast like we uh, had uh, last week. Coming up here for you uh, tomorrow night, Boise State uh, comes back home after their uh, short trip on the road to New Mexico. Boise State men's basketball team will be hosting Fresno State at uh, Extra Mile Arena. Coming up uh, tomorrow evening, pregame with Bob and Abe gets underway at 6.30, tip-off. At 7 o'clock, that will be happening on 670 AM. For those of you who uh, have no interest in uh, basketball or Boise State Broncos and want to hear regular programming, Nate Shellman Show and uh, Levin can be heard on 93.1 FM during that same time. So yeah. regular programming on the FM. Versatility. AM, going to be uh, listening to uh, Abe and Bob for the basketball game as they try to get back on the uh, winning streak. Currently tied for second place in the Mountain West after spending uh, three days <laughs> in first place. Didn't last very long. Uh, but this is going to yeah, be... The, uh, the point was they made it. Some tough, tough season uh, continuing um, to go on. We are just early parts in the Mountain West uh, championship season um, as Boise State tries to do to defend their uh, championship from last year. But anyway, we'll continue to uh, carry all those game here on games here on News Talk KBOI. And of course, Monday mornings, we uh, always talk about the most recent games. And Bob Beeler will be with us coming up this morning once again at about 6.35. So uh, listen in there. Have more news. We'll talk once again about uh, Leon Rice. Not real happy with what happened at halftime um, during the uh, game against uh, New Mexico. Um, we'll get to that coming up here in I just a few if, minutes. I wonder if you can get him to award us three points. I uh, don't believe that would be legal. Oh, I guess not. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. You can also email chris at kboi.com and mike at kboi.com if you want to take part in the show. Listen to KBOI online. Go to kboi.com and click the Listen Live button. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Good morning. Underway for a Monday, 19 degrees in downtown Boise. Sweet deals on Friday sold out very quickly, by the way. Once again, we had two of them. Um, however, if you would like to take advantage of a sweet deal, we have another one coming up for you on Friday morning. Uh, this is really good. Uh, Euros from the Euro Shack. No, we're not not Hero. I love that tzatziki Hero sandwich. Sauce. Yes, oh, good stuff. That is good stuff. Salads. Uh, you also have their uh, rice bowls. Uh, very good. Fifty dollars worth of gift certificate. And this is another one of those deals where you can use it at any one of the Euro Shacks. And there's quite a few of them here across the uh, Treasure Valley. I don't know. Um, I'd like to. Yeah, hope. Those are delicious. Fingers crossed that in the past when we've done these sweet deals, the Euro Shack has brought you and I in, uh, you know, so that we know what we're talking about because we've never had a Euro before. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, that's I right. I like to tell the salesperson that so that they can continue to bring those in for us to uh, check out. Um, we, need, s- we need visual aid. <laughs> want to say uh, thank you uh, to everybody who uh, listens to News Talk KBY. Twice a year we get a uh, kind of a report card. Our ratings come in every year. I uh, want to thank everybody who listens to News Talk KBY, making us, once again, the most listened to News Talk radio station, most listened to News Talk morning show. Uh, the only thing that I would say that maybe you could have had a little better taste on, uh, Nate Shellman, um, his ratings beat us in the afternoon. Oh, he did well, huh? Yeah, he did really well. We did we did well, but he did better. And I, I've I've realized in a short time since the ratings came out Friday, um, we're going to have to put up him, with him for the next six months <laughs> till the next ratings period come out. <laughs> um, but huge thank you to all the listeners because this isn't something, you know, Chris and I can't do this. Nate can't do it. You know, Bob with our Boise State football. Everybody who works here is uh, a part of this, and the biggest part of it is you have a lot of choices for listening in morning and during your day here on News Talk KBOI. And the fact that you made us your choice, um, we just so much appreciate it. I agree. Yeah, we just we just really do. So thank you so much for uh, making us your choice uh, for the radio in the morning, whether you listen to us online, on the radio, whatever. It all counts, and uh, it's very much appreciated. Uh, so once again... Top five, 25 plus listeners. Number one, men, 25 plus. So, all you guys out there, thanks a lot. <laughs> 643, uh, text message in at 208 336 says Brown Pride has been gang affiliated since I was in high school in the 90s. Kids, don't be bringing back the 90s. My son uh, attends Caldwell High. They did an amazing job with the dress code. He went to learn, socializes with peers his age, not to represent a gang. If you want to represent our culture, wear your brown pride gear to shovel your elderly neighbor's sidewalk or volunteer at a shelter. This comes from a proud Latina mom and grandma. Thank you for the uh, email. All right, there you go. 208 336 pounds 670 on your Verizon Wireless if you uh, want to weigh in uh, on that or any of the other subjects that we are talking about today. FBI on uh, Friday ended up searching uh, Joe Biden's home again. This time it was the FBI. The previous four times that they found the uh, classified documents, it was Joe Biden's attorneys, White House mm-hmm. attorneys, who were doing the searches of his uh, office at the Penn Center and his uh, home and garage. Uh, but this this fifth trove of documents that were found on Friday were found after a 13-hour search by the FBI. So they searched this time and found even more. This will be the fifth time that they have found documents. I imagine you can get pretty thorough in 13 hours. I, w- I would think so. Uh, Joe Biden, by the way, uh, of course, not being able to be at his home in Delaware, spent his uh, weekend instead at his uh, beach home because they were busy searching his Delaware home. Ah, okay. He's got a couple of different homes, including the White House, that he can go to. Um, we'll also, coming up here this morning, talk about uh, the latest court case for uh, Lori and Chad Daybell. They went to court on Friday. They had a, a, quite a few different things that their attorneys were looking and for. Saw another TV program about them. Oh, did you really? Mm-hmm. Did you watch it? I, I, I did. Uh, I did. I didn't watch it as, as closely as my wife did. She was more interested. I didn't. I didn't feel like there was any new information. It just uh, kind of gathered everything. Right. Gathered everything back together again. 
Um, so we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, also, we'll talk about the other case going on, the murder of the four Moscow University of Idaho students. Um, we thought the gag order was uh, big before. Um, they uh, added more to the gag order, mm-hmm. the judge did, and the media uh, not happy about that. So they're going to be going to court to try and get that gag order reversed. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that on the way for you this morning. Right now, though, it is time for another check on what's going on with sports. Brought to you by Pork Belly in CUNA. The name is Pork Belly, and there's a good reason why. Because they have some of the best pork belly bites you're going to find anywhere. If you don't know what a pork belly bite is, because not too many restaurants serve pork belly bites, get in and find it, out. It, it doesn't hurt. No. I can tell you that. 11 hours of smoked pork belly, then deep fried, served with a special sauce at Pork Belly and Cuna. Just one of the unique items on their menu. Check it out today. If you were watching football this weekend, you got to see some pretty good games, including two good games yesterday. It included the Bengals taking on the Buffalo Bills. Short drop by Burrow. The pressure comes from the left. He throws oh, it Caught at the Get nine. Chase straight ahead nice. into the end zone. Nice. Touchdown on the opening drive for Cincinnati. And that would help the Bengals go on to beat the Bills on the road 27-10. to The Bills will advance to the AFC Championship game. They will take on the Kansas City Chiefs, who defeated the Jaguars on Saturday by a score of 27-20. to the other game yesterday was the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Purdy out of the shotgun. Kittle and Juszczyk are right. Uh, Ayuk the other side. Hand off McCaffrey. Touchdown! San Francisco! And with that, the San Francisco 49ers will advance to the NFC Championship game. Their opponent will be the Philadelphia Eagles, who defeated the Giants on Saturday by a score of 38-7. to so again, Chiefs, Bengals, 49ers at Eagles. That's your division championship game set up for next weekend. I'm Rick Worthington. For your Google Play, simply say, hey Google, play 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Before a bill makes it to the House or Senate floor, it must first pass committee, run by a prospective committee chair. I guess they call me chairman now. In this case, that's Republican Representative Bruce Scott. My job as a committee chair is to maintain decorum and get everyone heard in the committee. And I have to give preference to the adults. I think that's only fair to our voters. Why is why do you have to give preference to adults? Why is that fair to voters? Because they are the voters and usually the larger part of the taxpayers. Scog chairs the Judiciary Rules and Administration Committee. And under House Rule 26, quote, any person may attend any meeting of any standing or select or special committee, but may participate in said committee only with the approval of the committee itself. I'm not aware of any other committees in the House that have this same rule. And so I'm kind of the tip of the spear to see how this will work out. We haven't had a chance to uh, talk about this since it came out, but uh, we are going to talk about it this morning. Get your input on what you think about this uh, new rule for committee hearings. Representative Bruce Gogg there of Nampa, head of the Judiciary Rules and Administrative Committee, set up those ground rules saying that only tax-paying constituents over the age of 18 will be allowed to have testimony. 
So taxpaying constituents under the age of 18 won't? Will not. I see. Here's the other thing. If you're over 18 and you don't pay taxes, does that mean that you uh, also don't get to... I mean, if you're, if you're like not it. required to pay taxes. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. Um, like if, you've, if you're 19 and you've never had a job before, apparently you get to speak before somebody who is 16 and, you know, pays plenty of taxes. I don't know about the rest of you listening, but I started paying taxes when I was 14 years old. Mm-hmm. I think I was 12. So when you say that they, you know, under 18, are not taxpayers, they are. And you look at this, the only difference well, he amended between that. A, he amended that later to the the bulk of the taxpaying public is, is over the age of 18, which, yeah, that's true. That That's true. But, I mean, to sit there and so say that, by, hey, by you, all means, you're not, um, you yeah. pay taxes, but you're not a registered voter, um, so you're not going to be allowed to be by all means, in front just, of this you know, committee. Just go with the bulk of the people and don't let everyone have a say. Yeah. I, that sounds like the American way, doesn't it? I, I, I don't quite understand that i get the fact that he said one of the things that he wants to streamline hearings because they would get whole classrooms of children showing up wanting to testify well you can still mm-hmm. get around that and say hey i understand you have 150 people here who want to testify for your class or your school pick one spokesperson so that they can testify for you know, whatever point your school is making, or, or a group, instead of having everybody testify. Or let everyone who shows up testify, and, you know, just don't be lazy. I, I Yeah, I, I want to get your thoughts on this. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Um, I get that 18 years old is the first time you're allowed to vote, but you are beginning at 16 and 17 years old to be getting ready to become an adult citizen. I'm not in these hearings. I'm not in the legislature on a daily basis. Is this a real problem? Do they have a massive amount of kids coming into the legislature for hearings to give testimony? Is it, is it a real problem? I don't know. Well, I can't answer that. that question. Bruce Scogg thinks it is. A big enough problem that he wants to be first to the how did he put it tip of the spear when it comes to uh, not allowing young people to participate in the hearings. Yeah, bold move. One of the uh, representatives. Gosh, I'm going to screw up this name. Raj Bandari. There we go. Um, said that input from constituents under the age of 18 has been going on in the legislature since the legislature has existed. Mm-hmm. Why stop it now? Because well, Bruce Cog doesn't like it. <laughs> so he went on, uh, Rog Bagdari said, uh, went on to say that voting rights and abortion rights, both of them are deeply concerning to students, people under the age of 18. Legislators need to listen to them too. Cutting students out of the process is just wrong. I agree with that. I do too. 100%. 208 336 pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. What are your thoughts? Is, it, is, this, is this a problem? Especially for those of you who have, say, a 16-year-old, 17-year-old who wants to take part. You've got a, you've got a lot of people that take part in our lawmaking process. 
and, and you see it through protests. You see it through the uh, Boise City Council member who was elected, I think, just as soon as he turned 18. But he he had his his goal Mm -hmm. that he wanted to be involved in politics. If you start squeezing that out at earlier and earlier ages, is that a good thing for our, our republic or not? I don't have an answer to it. I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, I'm going to go with no. My opinion is, I don't I don't think this is a problem, but like I said, I'm not there every day. Now, for someone to make that decision, this is just a theory, of course, but maybe said individual looks back on his own life and realizes that when he was under the age of 18, <laughs> he was a complete moron. Just a thought. Uh, 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. If you want to weigh in this morning, you can also email us, chris at kboi.com, mike at kboi.com. We'll also talk about, coming up here um, a little bit later, the judge says no to postponing Valo Daybell trial and to sequestering the jury. So they had a meeting with the judge on Friday, a couple of motions from the defense, one of them sequestering the jury. I, I was a little surprised. I thought there was probably a 50-50 chance that they may sequester a jury, but you have to remember this case is going to go on for weeks, if not months, and sequestering a jury for that amount of time would be really hard on the members people of the who jury. are picked of jury. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, look at you and I. Say, say we get chosen for that jury and we can't get out of it no matter how hard we tried. Could you imagine being off the air for four months? In our now, job? Now, we'd be in a hotel, right? Yeah, I think they would sequester him in a, would, in a and, hotel. And they would feed us? They would feed you, but you wouldn't be allowed to watch television. You wouldn't be allowed to read any newspapers. You wouldn't be allowed to get on the internet. And you said they'd feed us, right? Yes. Okay. So you're okay. And we'd be in a hotel? You're, you're okay just as long as you get fed. So somebody would, like, you know, clean up the room every day? Well, of course. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it'd be... And, and they'd feed us? Yeah, they'd, okay. they'd feed you. Only four months, though, huh? Well, five months, six months, however long it takes yeah. to get to a verdict. Yeah, I'd, 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 I'd probably hate that, too. 208 336 pounds on your Verizon Wireless. It's time for another check on sports this morning. It is brought to you by Pork Belly and Cuna, the place to go for uh, breakfast and lunch every day. They are open seven days a week, and they're underway right now this morning. If you want to get in for breakfast, they open up at, every morning at 7 o'clock. Check out their menu, porkbellyidaho.com. Good morning. Catching you up on Boise State. They lost a heartbreaker in overtime at New Mexico on Friday night. The final score, 81-79. to Broncos struggled to shoot the three, hitting just 21%, but they found a way to get it to overtime with Tyson Degenhart nailed the three straight on with one second to go. Degenhart said the team hung in there despite not playing their best. I think we just took it one possession at a time, and, you know, we just stayed confident throughout. You know, even when our shots aren't falling, we're going to find ways to score the basketball, and that's what we did tonight. You know, there's not going to be a lot of nights where we shoot it that poorly, but, you know, on this instance, we played, you know, almost good enough to pull it out. The Broncos are now 5-2 and two and in a four-way tie for second behind San Diego State at 6-1 and one in the Mountain West. They'll host Fresno State tomorrow night. Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. Now let's catch up on the other games that were played over the weekend. On Saturday, it was Colorado State losing at Wyoming, 58-57. Fresno State holds court over UNLV, 76-63. Utah State at home defeated San Jose State, 75-74. 
and Air Force drops one at home to San Diego State, 60-70. to There's one game on the schedule for tonight. It will be Nevada at home at Lawler Event Center taking on New Mexico. And then, of course, Boise State's next game is tomorrow night, 7 p.m. tip time at Extra Mile Arena against Fresno State. I'm Rick Worthington. Time for the Morning Market Report. Powered by CapEd Credit Union. Keeping you informed about your money before the market opens. Sponsored by Tree City Advisors. On News Talk, KBOI, Boise. Good morning, 721. Jeremiah Bates is back as we get underway for a Monday morning and looking like good news as of right now. About uh, eight minutes or so ahead of the uh, opening. Looks like the Dow is going to be opening up. S&P up slightly, NASDAQ up, so uh, maybe we can put an end to the uh, week, the bad week we had last week, although Friday was pretty good. Um, what are we going to be looking at this week? Is this kind of a busy week? Oh, certainly. No, b- very busy week on Wall Street, and it's the focus is going to be on earnings, a uh, heavy load of earnings that investors will have to digest this week. On Tuesday, you have Johnson & Johnson, GE, Lockheed Martin, Verizon, Microsoft, and that's just on Tuesday. Wednesday, we have AT&T, Boeing, Tesla. So you have some notable technology names. You have some notable, I guess what you could call uh, consumer staple stocks. And it's pretty broad range. I mean, you're looking at a lot of different sectors, a lot of different asset classes, if you will. Um, that'll give us some indication really on, in my opinion, more of the macroeconomic picture, like the bigger picture, right? Because, of course, it's going to be reported on fourth quarter earnings. That's in the rears. That's in the rear view mirror, unless there's going to be some huge surprise. I don't think uh, investors are going to be paying too close attention to that. What investors are going to be more focused on is what these companies are anticipating over the next six months, over the next quarter, how they're going to navigate in, <laughs> over unemployment. Because we had another article coming out this morning that Spotify plans to cut 6% of its workforce. So you're still seeing that that job picture start to change, especially on the technology side. So in my opinion, it's, it's, it's going to be more so how are these companies looking forward into the future? How do they anticipate to remain, to remain profitable and kind of navigate these challenges, right? So, um, it's, it, I think the main thing that I have top of mind for me is really around the airlines, particularly Boeing, Southwest, American, JetBlue, because what we've seen is this change in consumer spending over the past few months where it's went from post-pandemic, it was all goods. It was all focused on goods and items, and it's really made a a tremendous shift towards services and traveling and and those types of experiential spending. I'm curious to see if that's going to be status quo on these earnings report and how these airlines anticipate that moving forward. So that's what I'm going to be paying the closest attention to for me moving forward to this week. But certainly a good week last week for the month. All three major U.S. indexes are still in positive territory. But this earnings picture for this week is going to be, uh, I wouldn't say make or break, but it could feel this optimistic picture that's in the markets right now, or it could change that sentiment to be a little bit more pessimistic. Got it. All right. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, ahead of the opening, futures are all up across the board. We'll get an update from you here in about an hour, see if that hangs on through the opening, and then we'll talk to you again tomorrow morning. Thanks, Jets. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. 208-336-3700, pounds, 670 on your Verizon Wireless. If you want to uh, weigh in, take part in the show, it's always encouraged. Also, toll-free, 1-800-529-5264 
Email Chris at KBOI.com and Mike at KBOI.com. Uh, Carolyn Ron write in this morning uh, having to do with the uh, school choice or as some are calling school voucher program. We no longer have children in school, but as taxpayers, we oppose subsidized private schools. Our tax dollars provide a free education to children. If parents are not happy with that education, then they need to become involved in school board meetings, etc., and let their voices be heard. Also, the amount of money spent per student is not as important as the results. Several weeks ago, we believe you listed Idaho student test scores versus other states. If memory uh, is correct, Idaho was about in the middle. Parents already have a choice of where to send their children to school. Just ask the taxpayer to help pay for that. Thanks for your program, Carol and Ron. Yeah, we did, and we talked a little bit about this on Friday, too, because um, people were saying, hey, we we don't do well in testing in Idaho. We're like 49th, and it's like, no, we're 49th in spending. Testing is actually pretty good. We're actually even above the halfway point. Um, Idaho testing compared to other states and Washington, D.C., we came in 17th. So it would seem that we are getting... Big, big bang for the buck, wouldn't pretty, you say? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, we could do better, but 17th isn't horrible, considering that we spent, I think, uh, 48th most money out of 50 states plus Washington, D.C. So when you when you look at the money spent versus how students in Idaho do testing-wise compared to other students, it's, it's not too bad. Kind of makes it seem like there isn't a problem, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, Paul in Nampa, good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. You wanted to talk about uh, something else? Yeah, I wanted to bring up, uh, good morning anyway, Mike and, and uh, Chris. Yeah, I, I think we're, we're running into a problem with the idea that Germ- we want Germany to bring tanks into the Ukraine to fight Putin and his army. And, and I think that that's going to cause a lot of problems. It sounds good on paper. They need the help. They need the tanks. But if NATO gets involved by bringing in tanks from Germany, I, I, I think you're asking for a lot of trouble. They're even asking for one M1 Abrams tank to come in. And I, I think it's a short-sighted view on, on our Secretary of Defense Austin's part. I, I think it's a big mistake. There's it's still- just my personal, personal opinion, but I think it's a big mistake. Yeah, according to the Germans, they're still deciding whether or not to do it. So... But they haven't ruled it out. I do think yeah. that I do agree with you in one way that I, I think whether it would be or not. But if you have NATO start to bring troops and put troops on the ground, I think Russia would look at that as a possible declaration of war. And it also plays into Putin's what he's been telling his countrymen the whole time. He's in there bringing the, his troops into fight the Nazis in the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. It would only fit in that much better for Putin. Yeah. Thank you for I the just, thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Um, 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Once again, if you want to get through, uh, you can email us. Also, Chris at KBOI.com and Mike at KBOI.com. The Great One, Mark Levin, tonight at 7. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. KBOI News Time is 740. Casper and Chris, I'm Chris Walton. He's Mike Casper. 
or would be if, if he were in here at the moment. I <laughs> uh, wanted to bring this up. A, a GoPro camera that was encased in a shell for six years was found, and the video footage has been revealed. The camera was placed in the ocean by a diver in the Gulf of Mexico in 2015 and was discovered by another diver in 2020. Jonathan Holloway had to pry the camera out of its rocky enclosure. After he got it home, he had to break the camera apart to get to the SD card. But when he tried accessing the data on the card, it didn't work. Recently, Holloway upgraded his computer and spotted the card in a bag. He tried it again and had instant success uh, with a bunch of movies showing up, he said, in the GoPro contents. The footage shows the coral and marine life that grew on and around the camera, as well as the deterioration of the camera (laughs) itself. That'd be a fun movie to watch, wouldn't it? <laughs> hmm. I, I see a documentary in the uh, future on uh, Discovery Channel. Camera. Soggy camera. No, or, I don't know what or not. <laughs> we may have to. We may have to look into coming up with a better name for that. It says the camera was placed in the ocean by a diver, so apparently he put it down there on purpose, but he never went back and got it. What if he forgot about it? Or you maybe, never know. Yeah, hard to say. Um, did you s- didn't say he was a sober diver. <laughs> did you see uh, attorneys now are investigating whether George Santos is actually a U.S. citizen? Oh, my goodness. So if, if there's no other way, because if, you know, un- unless he actually broke some laws. They, or- they have apparently film of him uh, performing as a drag queen when he was uh, living in uh, Brazil. And he has apparently seen it and says, no, no, that's not me, even though everybody says, yeah, yeah, that's you. Well, even if it is him, it's not against the law. <laughs> so, oh, I know that. It's just that. <laughs> now you're starting to get into people going, very little well, we're going to try and make very him little look of this, really bad. Very little of this is actually against the law. He just lies all the time yeah, and that, about and, everything. And that's a problem. We talked about this you know, with Kevin McCarthy. He said, are you going to do, you know, are you going to try to get him out of Congress? And he goes... How, how do I do that? Yeah. He goes, what has he been charged with? And it's like, well, he's lying. And he goes, yeah, and yeah. what are the charges? He goes, if, I, if he has charges against him, we can look into it. Um, accusations of lying, you'd have to kick everybody in Congress out. You'd have to kick <laughs> every, that, And that's why nobody gets behind this, because the first person that gets behind this goes, oh, we need to get him out of here because he lied. And then, of course, we have to check their resume. They're, exactly. You're going to see them However, going, I think most why of them, are you not being kicked out because you lied? are smart enough, I think, to know that in this day and age, uh, you can check things. You know, it's, it's not like where it, it was once where... Well, you know, I worked at this place for 14 years, but uh, then it burned down and uh, all the records were lost, so you'll never find any proof of it. But by golly, I sure was there. Um, However, if this turns out to be true, because they are investigating whether he's actually a U.S. citizen, if it is discovered that he isn't a citizen, he can no longer be a member of the Congress. Mm. Uh, Constitution sets three qualifications for service in the U.S. Senate. Somebody's hearing this and going... All the congressmen are citizens right now? (laughs) At least 30 years of age. You must be a U.S. citizen at least nine years. And residency in the state a senator represents at the time of election. So he doesn't have to always be a citizen, but he has had to... We've heard about recently. (laughs) You do have to live where you're trying to to represent. Uh, However, if he is not a U.S. citizen or hasn't been a U.S. citizen for at least nine years before the election, there would be a possibility of a way that they could get him out of Congress. That would be be, uh, illegal. A bad male wig, hell to pay. 
208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. We'll take uh, one more look at sports here for you this morning with Rick Worthington, brought to you by Pork Belly and Cuna. Open up every day, Monday through Sunday, beginning at 7 a.m. Yes, they're open for breakfast right now. Open until 2 o'clock every single day. Get in and find out what everybody is talking about in Cuna, Pork Belly. If you were watching football this weekend, you got to see some pretty good games, including two good games yesterday. It included the Bengals taking on the Buffalo Bills. Short drop by Burrow. The pressure comes from the left. He throws oh, it the Caught at the Get nine. In. Chase straight ahead nice. into the end zone. Nice. Touchdown on the opening drive for Cincinnati. And that would help the Bengals go on to beat the Bills on the road 27-10. to The Bills will advance to the AFC Championship game. They will take on the Kansas City Chiefs, who defeated the Jaguars on Saturday by a score of 27 to 20. The other game yesterday was the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Purdy out of the shotgun. Kittle and Usechecker right. Ayuk uh, the other side. Hand off McCaffrey. Touchdown! San Francisco! And with that, the San Francisco 49ers will advance to the NFC Championship game. Their opponent will be the Philadelphia Eagles, who defeated the Giants on Saturday by a score of 38-7. to So again, Chiefs, Bengals, 49ers at Eagles. That's your division championship game set up for next weekend. I'm Rick Worthington. Be a part of the show at 336-3700 or toll-free 1-800-529-KBOI. Now, back to Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. 7.51, he's Chris Walton, I'm Mike Casper. Thanks for listening in on your Monday morning. told you on Friday we were going to share this little tidbit of information from uh, Facebook. Facebook Oversight uh, Board uh, is suggesting that they let people show their bare chests and nipples in pictures in Facebook and Instagram. People or uh, men? Only... Men, or if you're a transgender female who identifies as a man, or you're non-binary. That would make you a transgender male. Right. Yeah. <laughs> do you have to... Are, do you aren't, have to aren't nipples and boobs the same for you, everybody? I don't know. Do you have to put that in the caption? No. Proof of your uh, identity? Uh, how, how do you prove it? I, I, I mean, all, all you have to say is, you know... Oh, um, yeah, I, I identify as a male, so I am allowed to show my breasts and nipples. Facebook's oversight board urging Meta to develop new policies that would allow trans and non-binary individuals to show their breasts and nipples in social media posts across Facebook and Instagram. The uh, oversight board's suggestion came in a ruling about two Instagram posts that were taken down, which included the bare chests of uh, transgender and non-binary people in them. Post in question came up from the same account belonging to a U.S.-based couple who both identify as transgender and non-binary, according to the Oversight's board description in the case. The proposed rule change also suggests exceptions for nipples that may appear in the context of a protest, birth, after birth, or breastfeeding. So what what they're saying is we've identified something that we we don't want you to show on uh, on Instagram, <laughs> or or we've identified something that it's okay to show even though nobody else is allowed to show it, as long as you identify as non-binary and 
transgender. The Oversight Board acknowledges how convoluted the uh, rules about the presence of nipples on its platform are particularly in regard to patients who have undergone mastectomies for health issues, such as breast cancer. That's okay to show those, they said. So why not? Mastectomies? Yeah. Okay. So why not allow other people to show their breastuses and nipular area? A meta spokesperson told the New York Post that they welcome the board's decision in this case and will be responding to the non-binding recommendations from the oversight board within the next 60 days. So, in 60 days, you could start to see breasts and nipples on Facebook. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just gets crazier and crazier, doesn't it? I'm trying to develop some interest in this, and I just, I, it's just not happening. Well, you won't have interest until you're able to see it. I'm not even on Instagram, so I don't really care. You're on Facebook, aren't you? I am. Yeah. I have yet to see uh, unwanted uh, nipples. <laughs> Un- unwanted? <laughs> what about wanted nipples? <laughs> I don't recall a lot of that either. No, see, we'll see. Very soon you you might be able to see that. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Um, Vaughn writes in, uh, why doesn't Boise State host the NCAA basketball tournament anymore? Can't Jeremiah Dickey just put it together? He seems to be doing everything else really good. Um, they do host. They were due to host in 2021. Now, it may seem like it's been a long time, but they were due to host that's the first round in 2021. When, that's when they canceled the tournament. Canceled uh, COVID. Well, I, wasn't it that the, year, that the year that they held the tournament in Kansas City? They didn't cancel it, didn't... I think 2021 was the year that they held it in Kansas City, no, all in one, one location. Or was it 2020 that it was just... I think 2020 they canceled. canceled. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But Boise State was due to host in 2021, and that was the year they said, all right, we're going to put everybody in one location. There's not going to be fans. We're going to try to stop the spread of COVID. So, I mean, we have hosted or were due to host very recently, um, but doesn't be because of all the uh, COVID games. Um, by the way, there a great article, Idaho Statesman, on and and the subject of the article is why it was, is it was it was Indianapolis? Was it Indianapolis? Yeah, Sorry, Indianapolis. Um, why is Boise State basketball doing so well all of a sudden? And wow, did Kurt Apsey, the former athletic director, get thrown under the bus on this? Mm. Uh, Jeremiah Dickey, apparently, according to this article, has been doing a fantastic job. Um, but if you if you get a chance, um, look it up. Idaho Statesman came out last week and and read the article um, because of how much more money is being spent on the basketball program. I had no idea. Like they, they give an example of Leon Rice having to change lights in the gymnasium personally because there was nobody available to replace burnt out bulbs. So there was that, like there was that, like seventeen burnt out bulbs. So with that really long pole, I guess I don't. I I didn't ask whether it was a ladder, a pole, or whatever he used, but he did it himself. Um, some of the other money that is rolled in, for instance, it used to be like the trip we just took to Wyoming. It used to be you flew commercial. The basketball team did fly fly commercial to Denver, mm-hmm. and then took the two and a half three hour bus ride back and forth to the, Wyoming. The Laramie. They charter a plane now to fly directly to Wyoming, so cutting the trip in half, basically. That was something that there just wasn't any money uh, for Boise State. Uh, other things that they spent money but, on now. But now there is? Now there is. They used to have to cut up their own video. Meet? meet? Oh, video? 
Yeah, they used to have to cut up their own video. I don't know why they'd cut up their own meat, um, but they used to cut up their own video. They had to do it within the program. Somebody, either the coaches would have to do it. Um, now they have a videographer that is able to cut up all the video, and it's available to them on the flight home. Wow, that's cool. So, like the football team. The football team has always had that, at least for many, many years, but the basketball program didn't. Very interesting article about how much money is being spent now on basketball that wasn't being spent before, and basically says that that's a good reason why uh, Boise State basketball is doing much better now than they had, you know, in the previous 15, 20 years. That's great. KBOI Newstime, 756. Tonight at 10, it's Michael Knowles. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 8.06. Good morning. He's Chris Walton. I'm Mike Casper. It's 20 degrees now in downtown Boise. Stock market uh, up and down. Uh, We lost about... 100 points at the uh, opening, but now back up to about 41 as far as the Dow is concerned. Uh, looks like Standard & Poor, NASDAQ, uh, both are uh, up a little bit this morning. Uh, one of the things that happened uh, over the weekend, this happened on Friday after the uh, show, FBI investigators on Friday found a fifth trove of additional classified material. While conducting a search of President Joe Biden's Delaware home, Wilmington, Delaware home. Bob Bauer, the president's personal attorney, said in a statement that during the search, which took place over 13 hours on Friday, DOJ took possession of materials it deemed within the scope of the inquiry, including six items consisting of documents with classification markings and surrounding materials, some of which were from president's service in the Senate and some of which were from his tenure as vice president. So apparently, classified documents even from his time in the U.S. Senate, which seems a little strange. Maybe a little. No. Federal search of Biden's home marks an escalation in the probe into the president's handling of the classified documents that inevitably have drawn comparisons to uh, former President Donald Trump. This is also the first time that it wasn't Biden's attorney's who were doing the search of the home. Previous search of his office and home and the four previous items of documents being found were done by the uh, Biden's White House attorneys. Mm -hmm. This was the FBI, Department of Justice, did this. It is kind of interesting how much the talking points from the White House have changed over the last couple of weeks. When the uh, news first came out a few weeks ago, Idaho press or Idaho uh, White House press secretary Corinne uh, Jean Pierre said that they were going to be open, they were going to be transparent, they were going to share all the information about all the documents that were found, which is all what you would expect. However, that abruptly changed last week when the White House when they found more stopped answering questions. Take mm-hmm. a listen. Okay. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Go ahead. Thank you, Corrine. I want to reference an interview that President Biden did in mid-September with 60 Minutes. And in that interview, he chided former President Trump for having in his possession classified documents. He called it irresponsible. First of all, do you think it was proper for President Biden to comment on an ongoing DOJ investigation? So I'm going to say this. 
uh, and going to keep it really short today as it relates to this particular issue, as it relates to an ongoing uh, legal matter. I'm going to refer you to Department of, Just, uh, Department of Justice in, with the, that specific as it relates to uh, anything that you want to ask of us uh, about uh, this, uh, this legal matter. I would refer you to the White House Counsel uh, Office. I'm, I'm going to leave it there. Not going to go I'm into gonna, further. And I just, I, I just commented. I just commented. We're moving on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I already answered your question. Go ahead. Well, I, I did. Well, it's your, it's your opinion. It's your opinion. It's your opinion. That is your opinion. Go ahead. CNN says that by saying when they say that they refer every question to. The Department of Justice, the Department of Justice refers it to the White House lawyers, and then the White House lawyers refer it back to the uh, press secretary. So it's mm-hmm. one big circle that nobody is all of a sudden answering any questions on. The Department of Justice, by the way, also says they have not told the White House that they can't answer questions on the documents. So there's no reason to refer the questions to the Department of Justice because the White House has not been told that they can't talk about it. Now, Joe Biden, as we mentioned, was in uh, California last week. Uh, And, of course, as you would expect, as he's in California, even though he's in California, to talk about the uh, storms that have been just slamming California over the past couple of weeks, um, he was going to get questions about this, and sure enough, he did. Hang on, okay? Look, as we found, uh, we found a handful of documents were failed, uh, were filed in the wrong place. We immediately turned them over to the archives of the Justice Department. We're fully cooperating and looking forward to getting this resolved quickly. I think you're going to find there's nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm following what the lawyers have told me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. Thank you. And then that, that was it. There's no there there. There there. The... The one thing that does that surprise sounds, me sounds comforting, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I, I mean, I get everything that he said there, saying, "Hey, there's nothing there. There might not be anything other there. It could be just an absolute accident." Um, it, it, the problem comes in, of course, from a PR standpoint. Okay, now there's five different locations where these things were stored. Did, did they get moved it more than once? It did, would, it would did appear- nobody. That there is some there somewhere. There's yeah, exactly. The other thing about saying I have no regrets. Really? The information came to you on November second. It was over a month before any of it became public. Why? Wouldn't that be a regret right there? Couldn't you have taken it taken this and, and jumped in front of it and said, Hey, look, Looks like there might have been accidentally some documents taken. I can hear him now. I'll feel this one. No. <laughs> it's just a little bit strange that until he was forced to release the information that you heard nothing about it for a month and a half when, I get it, you probably don't want this coming out before the midterm elections. It could affect the elections. So you hide it until middle of January. I don't know where the investigation is going to go on this. I don't know if there's going to be more documents found. Um, His beach house hasn't been searched as of yet. I'm wondering if it should be. It'll probably be next. At least looked into. I don't know. 
208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. We'll talk more about this if you want coming up after top of the hour, uh, 9 o'clock hour. If you want to get through right now, you can email us, chris at kboi.com or mike at kboi.com. Got a lot of things happening over the next 45 minutes. Uh, we'll take a break here, come back when we uh, get done with Bronco Sports today, and we've got a $50 gift certificate up for grabs for you once again from La Peep in Meridian and afternoons at the bottom of the hour. More Boise State basketball. Bob Beeler will be here. We'll talk about the latest game against New Mexico coming up after news at the bottom of the hour for Bronco Monday. Right now, it's Bronco Sports Today. Remember, if you missed any part of Casper and Chris this morning, check out their podcast on the KBOI app or on KBOI.com. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Casper and Chris, damn near impossible question. Brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty for any real estate needs. Buying, selling, investing. Call 208-888-4128 and they can help you out. All right, today Lyle is going to get first crack at our question. Lyle, this person was so sure that they were going to uh, eventually win a Nobel Prize that they included their prize money in a divorce settlement years before they actually won the Nobel Prize. Who is this person? Lyle, are you there? Hello, Lyle. Yes, I'm yeah, here. There you are. All right, Lyle. Who is this person? You know, I was a little. I thought it was a little presumptuous on his part, but I came up with Albert Einstein. You came up with Albert Einstein. It's either presumptuous or he just is that smart. Yeah. It is Albert Einstein. Congratulations. Yeah, Albert. my second guess was Al Gore. So. Uh... <laughs> Oh, he's kind of presumptuous, too. Hey, congratulations. We've got a $50 gift certificate to uh, La Peep for you. Hang on the line. We'll get some information. Don't forget, if you didn't get in for your La Peep $50 gift certificate, you're going to have more chances. So everybody who got through this morning but didn't get a chance because uh, Lyle is Mr. Smarty Pants, um, stay tuned. All this week, we'll have more chances for you to win with the Casper and Chris damn near impossible question. All right, stick around. Coming up next, we're going to be uh, talking with Bob Beeler. It is Bronco Monday. It's actually, it really is Bronco Monday this week because uh, it is Monday. We're going to be talking about the Broncos' latest basketball game at the pit in uh, New Mexico. It was a loss, although uh, not only do I think it was a good loss, but apparently the uh, people who like to put numbers on it to get you ready for the uh, NCAA tournament uh, agreed that it was also a good loss, if there could be such a thing. We'll talk about that, plus what to expect coming up this week, and hear from the coaches and players all on the way. Bob Beeler will be in the studio with us next here on News Talk KBOI. This is Bronco Monday. Shaver, step back three. He got it. We'll discuss the most recent Boise State game and discuss the upcoming schedule. Now here's Mike Casper, Chris Walton, and the voice of the Broncos, Bob Bob Beeler. 837, uh, we get to talk about the uh, latest game, and I have to say for my money, which I didn't pay any, but uh, that was one of the most entertaining games that I have seen in a really long time. Now, it didn't come out the way I would like it to come out, uh, but even even with the loss, I, I even just sat there after the game and going, wow, that was a really, really enjoyable game to watch. Well, can you imagine, in the game we're talking about, late Friday night, New Mexico 81, Boise State 79 in overtime. There were eight lead changes and 11 ties during the course of the game. And, you know, when you look at that game, if that game were a tournament game, an NCAA tournament game, people would be talking about that. Say that was a Sweet 16 game. People would be talking about that game 
for oh, years, yeah. for years on just the way it was played. I mean, it went back and forth. Um, I don't think I have ever seen a better drawn up late second play. I was going to say that. And, you know, Both plays. Right. But, I mean, the one that you, you throw the ball in to the middle and Najee Smith gets a t- call, jumps up like a tight end over the middle, call timeout, so it goes from 4-9, I think, down to 4-1. Yeah, not and even then, a full second. And then you throw at – and then the ball's coming in right in front of me. Max Rice is the passer. He tosses it in to uh, Smith. And Smith is open because he's in the middle of the three-point arc. And we need a three to tie mm-hmm. the game. So they're not interested in anything inside the arc. So now he has a clean look to t- pass it back. He tosses it to Degenhardt. And, of course, everybody's looking at Shaver because Shaver's taking well, the last shot everybody <laughs> every single game. Every game everybody yeah. in the world so, thought it was going to go to Shaver. And and it didn't. So they used him as a decoy. And then Degenhardt had a clean look. So, I mean, and that tied it. And I thought when we got it tied, I thought a lot of times the team that makes the shot to get it to overtime is going to win. But, you know, they got it. They got ahead in overtime by four. And Boise State never could quite, you know, get even. They had a chance. Shaver had a I, shot. With... I, I thought for sure it was going to a second overtime <laughs> if it wasn't for the laps in uh, defense on yeah. that lay-in yeah. with well, four seconds to left. You know, it's funny. You kind of have an idea of what's going to happen, and I kind of thought maybe that, you know, but the, I think the officials did a good job of letting things go. I thought maybe they were going to get a foul call there at the end and have a chance to go ahead at the foul line, which wouldn't have been, which would have been disappointing. Yeah. Like you say, though, it does not stop people on Twitter from complaining. <laughs> I, I no, I mean, if, if you want to complain about the game, I mean, Boise State lost the game because they were 5 of 24 from uh, 3. And, and, you know, that's that's way lower than in the number of makes and, and way lower in a percentage. That That's why they lost the game. They did not shoot the ball well from outside. If you would have told me before that Boise State was going to end the game 5 of 24 from 3-point, I would have said they, they lost by more than 10 points. Oh, agreed. Absolutely. The Absolutely. fact that they stayed in the game. I mean, the rebounding was amazing in this game. Boise State just hit the board super hard. They played great de- Both teams played great defense. Um, and I, I'll tell you, this is the first look that I've had at Jamal Mashburn Jr. Uh, man, he is a stud. And, and, he, and he is probably the best player that I've seen, not only in this league, but in other leagues, at making the mid-range jumper. That oh, yeah. 12 if to you 15 leave, footer. If you leave him open, oh. he, he's making it. He, yeah. he is not missing that shot. And he never did. <laughs> so uh, Wednesday, February 22nd, uh, mark your calendar down because that's when New Mexico is going to come here. So that's a game that you, I think you really want to watch. I mean, you, you look at some of these teams coming in. San Diego State, we haven't seen them yet. We don't see them at home until the last uh, game of the regular season as far as the home games go, February 28th. So we've got some good games. Yeah. Tomorrow night we got Fresno State. Well, and who knows? New Mexico has to travel to um, Nevada tonight. Somebody's going to lose. It's not the same as playing at the pit <laughs> if you play in Nevada. <laughs> I mean, you think about some of the places in this league. Boise State is is really becoming a tough place to play. Utah State, when they're good, is a tough place to play down on mm-hmm. the spectrum. We saw what the pit has to offer. Viejas down at San Diego State. I mean, for a, for a conference in football that has a lot of very nondescript places to go play. Right. Basketball, they've got some wonderful places that you know are just really good, you know, home court advantages for the for the teams. It, it, there's a lot of personality in this league as far as when you go on the road. The uh, announcers and I watched it on on television. Got to take a nap on Friday afternoon, so I could <laughs> stay up. Um, the announcers uh, kept kept saying over and over that, uh, and I can't remember the name, but uh, the 
color announcer, used to be coach at uh, Joe Cravens. Joe Cravens at University of Idaho said, uh, "You can go and name a whole bunch of different places in the United States where it's tough to play." And he goes, "And for my money, he goes this is the toughest place in America to play a home basketball game when, when they're good." And I will say this though: I've been there, not just with Boise State. I went there twice in in uh, preseason tournaments when I was at Bucknell. They can be a tough crowd to their own people. Yeah. Uh, when I was at Bucknell, Bucknell led one year at halftime in a game against New Mexico. The Lobos got booed leaving the floor. <laughs> it's like Philadelphia. <laughs> it is. It is to a certain extent. Um, also, uh, something happened at halftime. I just want to touch on it just briefly yeah. uh, uh, about Leon Rice was not abs- was not happy when he came back from halftime. No, it was, and it was funny because I'm sitting there at, at courtside, and he's talking to – both Coach Patino from New Mexico, and there looks to be somebody that looks like an assistant athletic director or athletic director type. I don't know what the athletic director looks like at, at New Mexico. I'm thinking, okay, it's kind of an animated conversation. But then, obviously, the half starts and the game's close, and I don't think anything of it. And then Coach Rice comes out afterwards on the postgame show and, and talks about an incident at halftime where the baseball team, who did go out on the floor to get, mm-hmm. I guess, honored getting set for the start of their season – but I guess they were out there on the ramp making uh, noises at Boise State, and uh, I, there was an alt- I don't know what an altercation means, whether pushing, shoving, or just yelling back and forth. But you know, in New Mexico, it's a tough deal because everybody goes up and down the same ramp, and that really, I, I think they probably have some issues there because of just the way the thing is set up, is, yeah. and they didn't and they didn't think about it, and it was a bad look for New Mexico. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll hear from the coach and we'll hear from Tyson Degenhardt about the uh, game against New Mexico on Friday, mi- Friday night. That's coming up here next. Bob Beeler with us. Bronco Monday on News Talk KBOI. Now back to Bronco Monday on your flagship for Bronco basketball. News Talk KBOI. Bob Beeler with us once again, talking about the latest game Friday night against New Mexico. Um, I would consider that a good win and and the rankings for the NCAA tournament also apparently considered a good win because they didn't drop after the loss. You didn't mean a, a, a good, good loss. A good loss. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry, good no, loss. No, exactly. I mean, you look at it. There are five teams in the Mountain West. San Diego State, and then you've got Nevada, Boise State, New Mexico, and Utah State. Those teams, other than San Diego State, are 5-2. and two, San Diego State, 6-1. and one. All of them have really, really good overall records, meaning they did well in non-conference. Boise State dropped one spot over the weekend from 19 to 20. Everybody else in the league is in the top 34. So you have five wow. teams in the country, according to the computer. Right, We're not right. talking about who's voting yeah. or opinion or whatever. The computer says we have five teams in the league in the top 34. That's which, pretty impressive. Which counts because that's what they use when it comes time to pick the NCAA yeah. tournament. All right, getting back to the regulation, unfortunately, the last shot that tied it to send it to overtime, Boise State wasn't able to win it, but Coach Rice talked about the, the game plan coming up with that last shot. Well, our guys did a great job of executing it, man. Uh, you know, we've worked on some of that stuff, but uh, they ran, Najee ran it perfectly, you know, because as we, when, you know, when we drew it up, we said they'll probably run two guys to shaver, but, we, you know, you don't know if they will. And he saw it, you know, he just looked at it, saw it, made a great play. And, you know, we had to also get it out of his hands quick. He couldn't stand there and look at it. Because there, you know, gives them the chance to foul because we were up down three, and so they could foul there, and you know, it's probably game over. But uh, great execution by first of all, a great throw by Tyson to advance it, 
Uh, we got our advanced play perfect, and and Naj, you know, big long receiver. And again, uh, that was the play that basically Mike, as we were talking about, with four nine, throwing the ball into the front court, calling timeout, reset yourself, took less than a second, and then running the play. And and coach was talking about a foul. If you foul somebody and they're not in the act of shooting, it would only be two shots. Yeah. So you come to the line, you make the first one, and then you probably have to miss the second one and hope that you could somehow get the rebound and get it back. So does it does it make you wonder if they had said, you know, hey, if Shaver gets the ball, foul him immediately? And they didn't. I mean, they were just planning on Shaver getting the ball. Well, I, I think maybe. they would have fouled pretty much anybody. They just I, I don't just think they. Close enough I don't think they heart. guarded anybody. They didn't guard anybody inside the arc because if if you threw the ball inside the arc, which they did, mm-hmm. if if Smith would turn and shoot wide open, you'd still be down by one. So that that was the beauty of the play. Uh, Coach Rice also talked about the ability of the team to hang in there when you make only five out of twenty four threes and you somehow find your way to overtime. The heart, kind of the heart of our guys, man. They they were so tough, and I mean, they just they don't fold, and they don't feel sorry for themselves, and they don't. They just battled and battled, and whether they got calls, whether they didn't, whether the ball went in, whether they didn't. Uh, these guys, I feel like I got one of the toughest teams I've ever had, just because the mental part of it. And you know, I told them that in the in the locker room is that I couldn't be more proud of their effort and more proud of who they were and how they represented and how they fought and everything because they were up against it tonight, you know, and, you know, just one more basket goes or the thing is, you know, you can never be critical of those guys. I mean, Tyson played 37 minutes. Najee played 36. Marcus played 38 uh, Chibuzo played 30. Max played 41 minutes. I mean, these guys, 40 minutes and, you know, everyone expects them to be perfect with their decision-making, their shot selection, their everything, their defense. They came down here. I've never had a guy play 41 minutes in, in at altitude yeah. like this. And So, like I said, I, I'm super proud of our guys. And, you know, we would have loved to sneak out of here with that one. But, uh Got to give New Mexico credit. They were those guys were shot makers, and we knew it. And those guards hit tough shot after tough shot after tough shot. And then Tyson Degenhart then talked about the atmosphere. There was nearly fifteen thousand in there, and he said this is what it was like to be there. It is a crazy atmosphere. You know, last year uh, it wasn't. They were I think they were on break, so the students weren't 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 here and. It was just a great atmosphere. I saw some great signs over there, like uh, I'm a Timmy wannabe. Uh, I would, Gonzaga didn't want me or something like that. They were pretty good, so uh, it was all fun. Um, just wanted to get the win, but didn't get that done. Look, there was a person there with one of those white bo- whiteboards where mm-hmm. they would write something on there, and then they'd hold it up, and then they'd switch it and do something else. There were some made signs. The students That's are right awesome. behind the basket. But there was one girl that was sitting in the first or second row on the aisle in the student section for New Mexico that was wearing Boise State gear. Is that right? <laughs> and there were always, you know, there's always Boise State fans wherever you go. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at it, and Abe and I before the game going, wow, she's praised. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll take uh, one more break. When we come back, we'll talk about what we're looking forward to the uh, rest of the week. And uh, we have a couple home games that uh, if you want to go see some great basketball action with the Boise State Broncos this year, you'll have a chance to do that. We'll tell you about it when we come back. Now back to Bronco Monday on your flagship for Bronco basketball. News Talk, KBOI. 854, 
Bob Beeler with us once again, talking about the New Mexico game. Uh, hmm. Coming up, though, got another turnaround. Got to get ready for tomorrow night. Yeah, and lucky we don't have to go anywhere. I'm looking forward to this week. Two home games. Tomorrow night at 7 against Fresno State, and then Saturday at 6 against Colorado State. So we've got two games. We also have a coaches show Wednesday night at 6 down at 10 Barrel. All of that you can hear on uh, 670 AM. So looking forward to that this week. Uh, some good games. Fresno hasn't done that well this season in conference play. They're in the bottom half of the league uh, sitting at uh, Fresno is sitting at 3-4 and four after their win over UNLV. But they did beat New Mexico. They were the first team this year to beat New Mexico. New Mexico went the longest without taking a loss. So uh, Fresno has capabilities, and they'll be here tomorrow night. You and I were uh, just talking off-air that you think last year three losses won the uh, the league championship. You think this year a team that can... I, I think it's going to be four, because I think there's five really good teams, and, and five really good teams with home courts that are very good. So I think it's going to be a challenge for any one of those teams to beat somebody else on the road. So I, I think you're going to see... I think four losses is going to win it this year, and it might not get you an outright championship. You might have to share it with right. somebody. This league is tough this year, but much I, more balanced. I even made a prediction that said, I said, if, if Boise State can take care of business against the lower echelon on the road, the Air Force, Colorado States, et cetera, and they've already lost to Nevada on the road. They've lost to New Mexico on the road. They could even lose to San Diego, in my opinion. As long as they go undefeated at home, I think they can still win or will win the Mountain West Championship. Well, I, I think you're absolutely right. You got to win your home games. Got right? it. Because if yeah. not, you're going to have to find. I mean, that's like a bogey, Mike. You're a golfer. If yep. you lose a home game yep. in this, this the way the league is Especially setting up this to those year, top teams, it's a bogey because then you're going to have to go back and get one on the road against you know one of the better teams, and you know you've still got to go to San Diego and still have to go to Utah State. So there's a lot of tough basketball <laughs> left to be played. Wednesday night at six. That's when you have your coaches. Yes, we do. Yeah. We'll have uh, Coach Rice. We'll have Coach Presnell and. Uh, we will have uh, two players, one from each team. Do not know who they're going to choose, probably based on somebody that also has a good game against Fresno State. I would assume it would not be Tyson Dagenhart because he came last week. Right. So. Um, we haven't had a chance to talk a whole lot, and we do have about a minute left here. How is the uh, Boise State uh, women's team looking so far this year? This year, they're, they're sort of in the middle of the pack. They have four really, really good freshmen, and I think it's a, a building team that's going to get better as the season moves along. Uh UNLV, San Diego State, Colorado State are the top three teams in the league on the women's side of, of things. And I think that Gordy's team, I think, is is going to be in the middle, and I think it's going to be a team that's going to get a lot better as the year runs along because when you have a lot of freshmen that are starting yeah, and, playing. and playing a lot of minutes, you can see a lot of rapid improvement. That's what we've been seeing. So something really to look forward to. In and the they have a home game years. on Thursday against Air Force. So if you want to go to basketball this week at Extra Mile Arena, Tuesday – Thursday, and Saturday. All right. Oh, and Saturday there's a doubleheader. The women are playing in the afternoon. Yeah. So actually there's four games at Extra Mile Arena Mm -hmm. this week. Bob Beeler, thanks once again. Um, We are on a 24-hour break with you, and we'll be back tomorrow morning with uh, Bronco Tuesday. Yeah, our first Bronco Tuesday of the uh, semester for Boise State. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless News. On the way next. Download the 670 KBOI app for your smartphone for free. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 
We are learning more about the owner of a second dance hall in suburban Los Angeles, the man who stopped the alleged gunman who'd killed 10 from killing any more. Brandon Say is the owner of the hall. At first, he thought he was being robbed. Then he realized his patrons were at risk, so he and another man wrestled with the gunman. He was trying to hit me. He hit me across the face. He was bashing the back of my head. Uh, I was trying to use my elbow to create distance between him and the weapon. They were able to disarm the gunman who got away. He was eventually surrounded by police and took his own life, according to Los Angeles Sheriff Robert Luna. When officers exited their patrol vehicle to contact the occupant, they heard one gunshot coming from within the van. The massacre, the fifth mass shooting in the U.S. since the start of the year. The victims all believed to be in their 50s, 60s and older. Sherry Preston, ABC News. Another mass shooting. Happy so, Happy New Year. So not your average dance clubs then? No. And I think the reason why these dance clubs were so full, this happened at about 10.22 p.m. Saturday night, midnight, would have been the new Chinese Lunar New Year. So there were a lot of people there that were celebrating. Mm. Were they Chinese? Um, hadn't, hasn't said so far. The, we know that the majority of them were Asian-American. Out of all the people that were shot, 10 people dead, 10 others injured, um, no word yet on who they are. They haven't released their nationalities as of yet. Um, but the majority of people who were attending were um, Asian-American. The person who shot himself and is alleged to have done the shooting at the uh, two clubs or attempted shooting at one club before he was overpowered is also Asian. Asian American. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We just have, we don't have, we don't have a motive though. Huh? No motive as of yet. And like we said, we assume that this is the shooter because the police had locked in on him, but he shot and killed himself before they were able to uh, yeah, would, apprehend him. If they if he could have would, just done would, that in reverse be, order. It would be unusual for somebody else to shoot and kill themselves when the police are closing in, if if he wasn't, you know, the shooter. Shooting victims' names not immediately released. Said they believed that the magazine fan semi-automatic assault pistol recovered from the scene is not legal to have there in the state of California. This is one of those instances. If if, if you want to get an idea uh, whether or not stricter gun laws would stop mass shootings, California has, and specifically Los Angeles County, has some of the strictest gun laws in the nation. The gun that he is alleged to have used in the shooting is not legal to have in California. And yet he had it. And yet he had it. How lucky do the people at Alhambra have to be feeling today? Because uh, in case you missed it in that that report, he apparently made a stop at another dance club and was going to shoot up that dance club first, but was overpowered by a couple of people who saw him there with the gun, took the gun away from him, and he ran away. Nice. The unfortunate part was he ran away, mm-hmm. where he was able to run away and then visit another Dance club at around ten twenty two, where he killed ten people and injured ten more. He was just bound and determined to kill somebody. Yeah. 
it's one of those things that we've talked about and people have said in the past, if you want to kill somebody, you're going to find a way to do it. Here was some person that was stopped once, had his gun taken away and still found a way, apparently had other guns that he had at his disposal and used those to shoot up another dance club. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless if you want to get through this morning. Take part in the show. It's always encouraged. You can also email Chris at KBOI.com, Mike at KBOI.com. By the way, it is uh, Chinese New Year, the year of the rabbit. Yeah, that's true. I was born in the year of the snake. I'm, I have to look up. I can't remember which year I was. I think I might be the ox. Last year represented the tiger, commonly associated with bravery, courage, and strength. The rabbit, they believe that people born in this year carry some sort of nature of the property of these animals animals for the rabbit people born this year are seen as caring attentive to details and likely to follow rules they also are said to be successful in their careers and good at making friends and they love carrots hmm. okay i may have it's, it's, added the uh, love carrots part so i'm looking it up 1962 chinese zodiac uh it says water tiger oh so my my year was the last year I, I, didn't even, I didn't even well, celebrate. I didn't even know there was water tiger. I knew it was year of the tiger. Like, 74 was the year of the tiger. So, that, yeah, it would make sense that 12 years earlier, 62, would also be the year of the tiger. The only reason I remember 1974 as being the year of the tiger, okay, I was uh, like eight and nine years old that year. So, mm-hmm. I was watching a lot of Saturday morning cartoons. Lucky. And Tony the Tiger. Had his commercial started that year. This is the year of the tiger. Oh, really? So have breakfast was, with the tiger of the year. That was the year they started his uh, commercials. Did they? Well, use, no, I mean he'd, been, use he'd been around. He just great. He'd been around before. It just wasn't the year of the tiger until '74. Got it. I don't know why I remember that. There are so many other things that are probably now I'm going to have to more important in my life that I've forgotten since then. Yeah, I'm going to have to think back on last year because since it was my year uh, for the. But if you want to Chinese know Lunar New Year, if you want to know a Frosted Flakes jingle, by golly, you, you call me. <laughs> uh, Jensen writes Stop in with me, uh, Mike at KBOI.com. Uh, so why can private and charter schools provide a better education than public schools for less money per child? Most of the money we use to fund public education gets spent on teachers, unions, and their agenda. How is it we fund public education with the largest portion of the state budget plus additional monies, and still we have to deal with these bond elections every two years? The money is wasted on public education. That's uh, Jensen with his thoughts on school choice, or as some people are calling it, school mm-hmm. vouchers. Outside of uh, public schools, you have considerably more parental participation, especially since they're footing the bill for the most part. And you have, uh, for the most part, you know, if you have parents who are, are uh, smart and wanting to participate in anything, you've, you've probably got slightly brighter kids, to tell you the truth. They don't have to deal with a lot of the problems that uh, are dealt with in public schools because of the fact that everybody can go. Well, and another example, too, you know, because I think we can all agree that the larger number of teachers per student is good. Right. If you if you have 50 students being taught for one teacher as opposed to one teacher teaching 20 students, who's going to learn more? Well, Pro- probably the kids that are being taught, yeah. the 20 kids being taught by one teacher. Those uh, those who learn better on a one to one basis will learn better. That's true. The 
I don't know about private schools. Uh, I can speak to charter schools because we had two kids that we put in charter schools. The, the difference that you see in that and why the education and why the money might go better is because in charter schools, there is a limit. Like we, our son that went to a Meridian charter school, uh, technical charter school, for instance, you had to apply to get into the school. And once the limit is reached, that's it. They mm-hmm. cut it off. No matter, you know, if you qualify or not, it's cut off in, in public schools. In grade schools. Yeah. In, in public schools, uh, they say, well, the limit's been reached. And somebody says, what limit? We don't have a limit. Yeah. Uh, the, the limit just keeps going. Well, we only have a certain amount, amount of space. Well, we can just, you know, put up some trailer. Yeah. Uh, out well, back. and they have to by law. They have to yeah. accept everybody. So. So when it gets into private, I'm guessing private schools are the same, even though I haven't had a kid in private school. Um, but I know charter schools are that way. They have a limit and they can cut it off. Public schools can't do that. So you run into the situation at, at, at certain times where there are a lot more students trying to be taught by less teachers, which mm-hmm. is not an advantage. Uh, ben in Caldwell writes, so either you have to be rich enough to afford to send your children to private school or you have to be poor enough to qualify for whatever program you're talking about. Those of us in the middle who should be able to use our tax dollars to send our children to the school of our choice get the short end of the stick, just like always. The voucher program would be simple and available to everyone, rich, poor, or in the middle. Mm-hmm. The dollars follow the children to whatever school that they choose. Not even to school, not just schools either. It would follow them if they want to be the, homeschooled. Um, you could use it for homeschool. Well, let me tell you my thing about private schools and, and, and charter schools and, and vouchers, for that matter. I don't think I've ever really spoken up about it before, but I've never really believed in the voucher program, and I'll tell you why. Uh, those who have money will go to private school, right? Mm-hmm. They, they generally always will. Now, those who don't have money are saying, well, I should be able to get some tax money and send my, send my child to a better school that's the school of my choice. And sure, why not, right? Okay, so you decide I'm going to send my child to this exclusive private school because I finally have been given enough money by the government to do that. And it'll be just a few years before it's no longer an exclusive private school. Uh, it'll be more like a public school and we'll have the same problems a public school does because it will no longer be exclusive to its clientele. And the rich people, by the way, will have moved on to an actual private school where nobody's getting vouchers. Because if there's one thing rich people don't like, it's when they're no longer exclusive. Yeah. And and, and that's kind of where a difference here, at, at least according to the legislator who is making the proposal, he goes, you know, I know this is being accused of being a strict voucher program and it's not he goes anybody could use this for anything like if you need technology you can't afford a computer whether you're in a public school or a private school you can use that money to buy a computer for your family or your child if you live in an area say in rural idaho where you can't afford to have high-speed internet come to your come to your house because it costs Mm -hmm. double what you're paying for your cable or we're also you can use it for that where also there maybe aren't any uh, yeah private schools or or charter schools just public schools and those public schools because of uh, just a lack of number of students don't have any really what you'd call specialty classes anything that delves off from the ordinary that uh, you can you know, I mean, you've, of course, you've got your reading, your math, spelling, all that sort of thing. That'll be taken care of. But anything else that you would like to study, uh, you'll probably just have to wait till after graduation. Do it yourself. Yeah. If you want to use it, we talked about this on Friday, too. If you want to use it for tutoring, tutoring is astronomically expensive. Where, you know, if it's $2,500 for three months of tutoring, how many people can afford 
you know, especially if you have multiple kids and need tutoring. Yeah. This money could be used to, yeah, it's, to it's, hire tutors, tutors. Tutors are expensive. Yeah. We'll take a break. 208 336 pounds 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Today from 10 to 1, it's Dan Bongino. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 9.22, uh, Joe, thank you for uh, being patient and waiting through that uh, commercial break there. You're on News Talk KBOI. Good morning to you. Good morning. Hey, um, I was telling your screener, my ex-wife and I um, had two kids out in California they're, they're long since grown and gone. But um, we we formed, helped form a, a charter school in Paradise, California. And that charter school was part of the school district. They received school district money. We had mandatory parent participation. And every day there were at least two parents in the classroom, sometimes three. And we acted as aides. We assisted. We knew what the kids were being taught. We met monthly to ensure that they were meeting the minimum wait, standards. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. I, I don't understand. What is this parent part participation that you're talking about? Yes. Yes. Parents. Like, like the, parents it, actually took an interest in their kids' education? Isn't it astounding? That was before education became indoctrination out in California. Interesting. Yeah. The, the parents were required to spend... A, one day a week, and yeah, it wasn't the entire day, but you know, you'd have a parent there half the day in the classroom. And then uh, twice a month, we all met on a Saturday, and we did cleanup. And it helped save money for the janitorial services. But we saw what our kids were being taught. We were there. We assisted. And for the years that my boys were at the Children's Community Charter School, which is still going strong even after Paradise, California burned and was rebuilt, and the, the uh, uh, Charter Middle School, those schools exceeded by a substantial margin the average test scores. We were always in the, in the, 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 the top percentile, you know, two or, the top two or three percentile in the entire state because the parents knew what was being taught because we insisted that they go far above the basics, the mandatory stuff. They, they had to do the mandatory, but then they went above. When my boys went into um, regular high school, because we sadly did not have a charter high school, they'd already completed substantially their freshman year in education. And my sons have gone on to be extremely successful. Um, because of that early education and that early education stressed in the in the, in the, the, the first primary grade, they stressed the basics: reading, writing, arithmetic. Um, you know, learning, and and not only did they learn data, they learned how to critically think. And we were because the parents were there. We also taught them ethics. You don't cheat. You don't be mean. You don't beat up. And there were hardly ever any fights at that time. Now, kids today are different because we've been told that discipline is oh so terrible and bad, and if you spank your child, you're a child abuser and a molester. But, you know, that being said, charter schools, if you have parents in there, by golly, when, those, um, those you, you can spank your own kids. <laughs> in, when, when your kids ended up having to go back to public school, did, um, you, did I, you continue your both. involvement? I got, oh yeah, I got most of my kids thanking done before they were seven. 
Um, the only time I ever had to really discipline one of my kids was God help me at a McDonald's, and my oldest boy threw a tantrum. I picked him up, swaddled him on the butt, and sat down while my ex ordered some stuff, and this um, girthy woman came over and began berating me, and I told her to go back to her seat or I'd spank her nasty butt. That was that was back in the days when you could yeah, you, punish you your child. And, and probably couldn't get kids, away with that right now, in this day oh, and age. Oh, fancy Moses. No, you couldn't. <laughs> no, hey, thank no, you no. Uh, for the call, Joe. Appreciate the thoughts. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Uh, if you're on the line, stay right where you're at. I promise we will get to you coming up here next. we got news on the way at the bottom of the hour. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KDOI. An increasing percentage of Idahoans believe the state is on the wrong track. That's according to a new Boise State University School of Public Service survey that was released on Friday. According to the 8th Annual Idaho Public Policy Survey, 41% of those surveyed said the state is on the wrong track versus 44% who said the state is moving in the right direction. The remaining survey respondents weren't sure. For the first time in the survey's history, the gap between Idahoans who think the state is headed in the right direction and those who say the state is headed in the wrong direction were within the margin of error. And that means the two responses were statistically tied. Boise State University researchers said their survey results have identified a rise in concerns over the economy and identify support for property tax reduction and repealing sales tax on food. The survey is available online at Boise State University's website or at kboi.com. 208-336-3700, toll-free 1-800-529-5264. You can email chris at kboi.com, mike at kboi.com. Uh, Idaho Public Policy Survey from Boise State University surveyed 1,000 adults here in Idaho. Education, they said, is the top legislative priority coming into 2023. Housing replaced health care as the third top priority from last year. As what to do with the state's $1 billion budget surplus, most Idahoans said that the funds should be used towards giving tax relief followed by funding K-12 through education. Among Republicans and independents, tax relief was the top choice. Among Democrats, K-12 through education was number one. More Idahoans concerned with property taxes. In comparison to previous years, data showed 56% of Idahoans feel that property taxes are way too high. That's a 10% increase from last year. That's a big increase over year over year. When you jump 10% in one year on the way people feel about something, that's a big increase. (laughs) Double figures, it is. Additionally, most Idahoans support eliminating sales tax on groceries. Support was strong among renters, homeowners, and all political parties. 83% of Republicans and 84% of independents, 80% of Democrats, responded that they support eliminating the grocery tax in Idaho. Every level is 80% or above, according to this survey. So so there wasn't anybody who enjoyed paying the grocery tax? Uh, Apparently there must be a few because, like I said, 80%, so somewhere in the neighborhood of... Or, or they just don't care. I, I could be one way or the other. <laughs> uh, Mark in Napa, thanks for being patient. You're on News Talk KBOI. Good morning to you. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you doing this morning? Good. Good. Chris, you kind of got a burr under my saddle when you said uh, rich people send their kids to public schools. 
Um, my wife and I, we had four daughters. We sent one to actually two to private school, uh, two to charter school. And then two of them, one broke away and went to a private. Another one broke away and went to a private for athletics. That was back in the debate. But uh, if you could see my books, you could see I was far from rich. It was a decision made for the better of our daughter. Um, that was huge. I can't say in all ways that uh, private school gives that much better education than a charter school, but both of them are far superior to a public school. And you can ask, we had four daughters. So you can ask my daughter, uh, either one of my daughters on that. Um, one daughter started in kindergarten, went all the way through and, and uh, graduated high school through a charter. And uh, looks back now and says the best decision we ever made by not allowing her to go to public uh, because they had the sports activities for her. Um, but uh, it is not always the rich, Chris. It's a decision by the parents to invest into their children. Okay. Um, so but, I, but I, you I guys take a little bit offensive to that. Well, no, you guys budgeted for it then, right? Uh, you know what? No. We uh, made sacrifices. So, yeah, I guess if you want to say budget, but uh, we made sacrifices. We didn't do things. We didn't buy things. Uh, we lived within a limit. It's not cheap. Mm -hmm. It isn't. But it was a decision. But it wasn't like it was just spare cash sitting around, which is kind of the way. I didn't say kinda, it was. I, I never did say it was just rich people that sent their kids to private school. Uh, people who are. Uh, back. Well, you, you can hear you what you want, I suppose. But no, I don't have to. I know what I said. The um, okay. the uh, the people who are, are like you that uh, really were the involved parents, you know, and wanted to sacrifice things so that their kids could have better. Do they, I mean, those always make for a better school. Always, sure. it's it's it's. Yeah. There's no question about that. I'm just talking about the people who can afford it, so that's what they do, and uh, you know, ultimately, I I think if the uh, if it becomes a little less exclusive, those who are the very rich will simply go someplace else. I'm not talking about you. So you think that, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, so you think that, that people who are sending their kids to private school, if everybody was allowed to go to private school, they'd make a super private private school to go to? I, certain, of, I certainly do. Okay. Mm, it's like, it's right. like a neighborhood. You know, when, uh, when a neighborhood's very exclusive and then all of a sudden other people start moving in, the people who like an exclusive neighborhood move to a different one. Neighborhoods are not what they all cut out to be, I'll tell you that much. Um, you know, another thing with the public schools, I think sometimes, and I don't know about Idaho, do we have teacher tenure where they're there a certain amount of time that they, there's, it's like moving the rock of Gibraltar to get them out? Well, if or they, if they have a track record, of, if they have a track record of doing well over a number of years, yes, it's probably more difficult to fire them. Sure, sure. Yeah, which I can agree with that. But I, I know in California it was not that way. Yeah. Um, anyway, and I know that this, the charter schools, the one thing they do do, they teach to an upper standard. They do. You And it's tough. Oh, yeah, they can. There's homework every night. They every can. Every night there's homework, and it's tough. And respect. That is, I, honestly, if they bring the respect back into the public schools and teach these kids, which they can do, um, 
it would make a big difference. I mean, it was tough because some people are too militant. They have to walk in a single line, not talk in the hallways and walk alongside the wall to the lunchroom and this and that. It makes a massive difference in the children. Also, they would teach them, hey, you look this person in the eye. You shake their hand. You talk to me. How are you? My name is so-and-so. They taught them that. Is there a law against that in the public schools? I mean, why? No, I, I think I learned that in public school yeah. as well. I, I think we yeah. all we all learned that. Yeah, I, we, we know, were, maybe yeah. that's we were always taught to be. Maybe polite. that's your point too. Correct. Yeah, and that that's still taught in charter schools to this day. I mean, it's very very much that way. And and I do love the charter schools. And it actually was on the board of the very first charter school. And the teachers do very well at a charter school. Don't ask me why the difference. I can't tell you. I just know they do better. Thank, um, thank you for the call. Um, appreciate it, Mark. Thanks for the thoughts. Uh, Little David, is that your real name, Little David of Boise? Uh, that, that, that is how I'm differentiated from all the Davids. Okay, Little David, what did you? What are your thoughts this morning? You want to talk about grocery tax? It's a good label. Grocery tax, and I don't, I, I don't like paying taxes any more than the next person does. However, I do support the grocery tax for two reasons. Number one reason is that with all the tax lawyers and loopholes and things, there are some people that the grocery tax is the only tax they pay because they can't get out of it. And the second is that how many millions of people that come into Idaho for recreation and, and doing, doing uh, visiting and, and all of that, they have to eat somewhere, and they pay that grocery tax. If we want to do something about the grocery tax, rather than get rid of it, increase the grocery tax deduction. That will get the money back into Idahoans' pockets right. where it belongs, but we won't lose that revenue from recreation visitors i'm not using the right word but no I, but i get what that, you, that come, I get what that you mean. travel through yeah. tourism you're, tourism you're 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 in favor of keeping it because of the people who travel and spend money in the state uh i'm going to take this one step further before we let you go and ask you this question because this is um something that's being discussed right now on the republican side of things about what they're calling a fair tax um which would shift federal taxes to basically having a sales tax. So they would have a 30% federal sales tax on everything, but we would no longer have to pay any other taxes. Would you be in favor of something like that on the federal level? So so no more income tax, no more capital gains taxes, no more Social Security taxes. Everything would be paid by a 30% federal I, sales tax. I, the concept I would be in favor of, I do not know what the exact, number should be but the concept yes that that when you know i can make as much money as i want if i decide to save it and not buy anything then i get to keep it but if i if i want to buy a pair of shoes then yeah i would have to pay for for the shoes or for the tax then all right thank you for the call thanks for the thoughts appreciate it 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. If you're on the line right where you're at, stay there. I promise we're going to get to you right after this break.
It's 670 KBOI on Alexa. First say, Alexa, enable the 670 KBOI skill. Then when you want to listen, say, Alexa, open 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 948. Benji writes in, hey, Mike, first off, there is no such thing as a good loss when it comes to basketball. Secondly, now I have not read the uh, article you were talking about concerning BSU basketball, but I find it really strange Leon Rice would be changing light bulbs at the basketball arena when last I was aware Boise State doesn't even own it. They rent it. They should uh, just build their own basketball arena. Yes, they really do pay rent for that place. Rent it. They do not own it. I, I don't think it matters if you rent it or own it. If you're changing your own light bulbs, as Leon Rice says he was doing, that's a problem. Is he talking about uh, Extra Mile Arena? Yeah. Formerly Taco Bell Arena. Former. Formerly the Boise State Pavilion? Yeah. And saying that the school doesn't own that? I think the school does own that, don't they? I'm pretty sure they do. Now, there's naming rights. Maybe that's what he's thinking. Well, naming rights, just here's some money, you know, put our name on it. Yeah. And, and I completely disagree with you. There is such a thing as a good loss, and and this is an example of it. They lost in overtime by two points playing at New Mexico. And it, as far as how it, if it hurts them when it comes to getting into the NCAA tournament, this loss doesn't hurt them at all as of right now. Now, if Nevada, if New Mexico were to go on in, in, on a 13-game losing streak, th- that would hurt them. But it doesn't look like that's going to you know be happening. So it did nothing, for instance, in the net ratings, which the so, computer ratings, which some, they look at to get you into the NCAA tournament. Some losses are considerably less tragic than others. Well, and let, this would be one of those. If, if, say they lost at home to Air Force by two points in overtime. That's a bad loss. We didn't say, though, however, that a loss was ever preferable to a win. No. Because it, it, it never is. Yeah. It could have been a great win, but it's not a bad loss in the grand scheme of getting into the NCAA tournament. Matt in Middleton, thanks for being patient. You're on News Talk KBOI. Good morning to you. Hey, I, I just wanted to comment. I have a son who has a speech delay, and um, we did have him in a public school. And, uh, and I'm really glad we did get him in a charter school. It was through a lottery, and it was very difficult to get chosen. But when we did, we were super excited. Um, in the public school section, they were going to treat my son as a special needs student and never accelerate him outside of special needs classes, which was really disturbing because he's not special needs. Um, so when we got him into the charter school, they immediately jumped on it. They actually got him up to um, quickly up to a, a credible standard um, within a few months and kept him there. And he's been doing great. He, he reads at the top of his class. He's, he does a lot of things better than most people. And the greatest thing about that charter school is, is they're actually two grades ahead in what they're actually qualified to teach their kids. I mean, I was I was super impressed on what my son could do because I wasn't doing the same stuff that he's doing now yeah. um, in fourth grade, uh, which which I was surprising for. And another great thing about it, um, the school principal knows every student's name and their parents' name, and that's a K through twelve. How many students? Mean, how many students are in there? Uh, I, I have no idea, but it's about thirty students per classroom. Okay. But I mean, because, the only reason I ask is because you could go to Nespers High School, which has about 
60, 70 kids in the school and every teacher and every administrator within the school knows every kid's name and every parent's name, but there's only like 60 kids in the entire K through 12 grades. You know, did, did they well, lose it, it, the, at the charter school? Did they lose very many kids or gain any new ones during the year? Or are they not? Do they not do that? Actually, yes, they do. There they do? is a okay. lot of people that do have to move for for relocations and stuff. And the nice part is, is they have a better chance of getting into into the school after um, grade three um, versus actually starting to get in, trying to get in at kindergarten because it is difficult to get in at a kindergarten level. And there's a lot of high school kids that move here that they put their name in the lottery and they get chosen immediately because there is always a fluctuations of people moving, coming in and coming out. Um, one of the great things I love about Thomas Jefferson is the fact that they're non-union and the teachers are very, very skilled at what they do and they're paid accordingly to their techniques and skills. Thank you for the call, Matt. Appreciate the thoughts. No problem. He's a, I mean, he gives a good example. And, and one of our, our kids we sent to charter school because he was on the uh, autism spectrum. He had uh, Asperger's. Mm-hmm. And he was a smart kid. He just had problems in school um, when it came to written instructions. Yeah. So in a public school setting, there wasn't enough teachers or help in the public school setting to be able to give him one-on-one instruction because he needed to be told what to do rather than trying to read it and understand what that meant, which is what he got in the charter school. And that's specifically the reason that he went to the charter school. I was reading something the other day that said if there had never been any autism throughout history. Now, there wasn't, there wasn't diagnosed autism. They didn't call it that. They called it various other things or called it nothing. And if there had never been anything like the spectrum or autism throughout history, you'd have considerably less things like art and inventions because they <laughs> you're not wrong because when you find people who don't think like everybody else that's when you get a change once in a while well and you look back through history cuz like you said you know there's a lot of autism that is diagnosed these days and, and some people wonder it's the chicken and the egg thing, egg thing it's like all right is there really as much happening now or is this just an easy diagnosis to put kids in that they're somewhere on the spectrum I think no. I think it's always been that way. It's just that if you go back through history, um, we didn't diagnose kids as much or weren't able to do it on the level we are today with with autism. For a long time, the 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 common uh, the common feeling I don't know what you call it common knowledge or just simply it was it was the way things were everywhere is if somebody wasn't doing well, you simply leaned on them harder, and some responded to that. Some never will. Some never did, but some do. And part of the problem with public schools is that you can't really give people much individual instruction. In other words, you can't lay out the entire day basically to suit them. In some ways, they have to adapt to what you're doing or they can't be in public school. Thanks for the phone calls and emails. Uh, just about out of time for today. Just to let you know the Dow is back up. We're over 300 points. NASDAQ up over 200 points. We'll keep an eye on that for the rest of the day. Other than that, we are on a 20-hour break. Uh, we'll be back again coming up here tomorrow morning. Another chance for you to pick up that $50 gift certificate tomorrow morning from Le Peep in Meridian, plus all sorts of more fun and excitement tomorrow morning here on News Talk KB.